do you often feel stuck battling the the same fears and and temptations and lies and and doubts, wondering if you'll ever overcome them? Does it seem as if you're in that battle alone? Well, author uh, Judy Dunnigan has been there. She's got a new book out, and uh, I love this. It's called The Loudest Roar, Living in the Unshakable Victory of Christ. And Judy is part of the Moody family. Uh, She's acquisitions editor of Women's Bible Studies and uh, books at Moody Publishers. And uh, she's a Bible teacher, and she's a speaker, and she is with us here this morning. Hi, Judy. I'm waving at you. Hey, Judy. Good morning. Good morning, Kate and Kurt. So happy to be here. This is awesome to have you with us. And uh, by the way, I like the cover of the book. It's pretty creative. It's who did that? Um, Our creative director, Eric Peterson, uh, had a lot to do with that cover, and I love it as well. See, that's we have to give folks a shout out. These are the people behind the (laughs) scenes who really can uh, can do some great work. So it's called, like Uh I said, the loudest roar. Okay, so you could write about a plethora. Of topics, because uh, you're a bookish kind of person. You like to write, and, and you like to teach the Bible. Why did you choose Victory in Christ? What was the story here? Well, Kurt, um, my father is a best-selling author, Mark Bubeck, with Moody Publishers. And years ago, when I was in middle school, which is decades ago, <laughs> my dad wrote the book, The Adversary, mm-hmm. and it is a bestseller. It's always been in print, and he shares a little bit of my story in that book. And around that time as a middle schooler, I had fallen into being at slumber parties and playing with Ouija boards and seances and very naive, the dangers of that. Mm. And so I gave the enemy a foothold, and my dad was able to teach me how to stand firm because we're promised in God's Word that the victory's already been won by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I learned about the armor and prayer and praying Scripture at a very young age, and I've used that in my life for decades and just really sensed the Lord leading me to write. My father passed away five years ago, and I'm grateful to be able to hopefully carry on his legacy, but more importantly to teach on warfare as uh, my my own teaching. <laughs> Man, this is so good. All right, so yeah. I didn't know the backstory yeah. there. Coming up on Halloween, and generally speaking, we try to do something on spiritual warfare, uh, the occult Halloween. Uh, it's good for us to revisit that, because we need to remember we are in a spiritual battle. So many times we don't really think very much about that. Uh, we know it's true, but we don't really focus on that. And, and of course, I always say you can, you know, C.S. Lewis uh, put it in a much more poetic form than I'm going to put mm-hmm. it. But in essence, what he said was, you know, you can fall into one of two errors. You can either talk about Satan uh, too much or right. not talk about him enough. In other words, you're so focused on the the demons in the demonic realm uh, that, uh, you know, you can go either way, extremes. But the Bible is very clear. It's very uh, balanced on that. In Ephesians 6, yep, talking about the armor of God and these types of things. Anyway, so, yeah, we're going to be talking more about it in the 7 o'clock hour tomorrow. But I have to ask you this, Judy, the whole Ouija board thing, um, you know, we, we had one in our home uh, before uh, my mom came to Christ. This was like the early 70s, and we, I've shared this here on the show before, we had some very strange things that happened. 
when she had that. And then, Kate, this morning, we were talking about the little Easter Island you right. know, heads. Yeah. She had those types of things. And there were some very crazy things that happened during that time. She came to Christ, did a spiritual house cleaning, said, you know what? I don't want any open doors to the occult, to the demonic realm. And she got rid of all that stuff, and everything stopped at that point. There was nothing really um, you know, going on after that. And uh, you believe, obviously, that this battle is real. Well, we know it's true because of the Bible. But can these type of types of objects be open doors to the occult? Yes, definitely. You know, the enemy is going to take a foothold in any way he can. Mm -hmm. And um, here I was, a pastor's daughter. I loved Jesus. I was even sharing Christ with my friends. But I remember when we did the seance, and all the girls thought it was kind of silly. And um, we were supposed to give a name of someone in our family who had passed. And at that time, only my grandfather had. And when we used his name... There was just a lot of scary stuff that happened. I won't go into the details, but it was obvious. It's almost as if the enemy knows, here's a little girl who loves Jesus and is is the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm going to wreak havoc here because she's opened the door. But, you know, we can do that uh, in our lives just by uh, falling into um, sin that the enemy comes at us. And we're all targeted. If we're followers of Christ, the enemy hates us, and we're going to be targeted. But the key is balance, as you said, because mm-hmm. you can blame the enemy for everything. I had a friend who had an affair and blamed it on Satan rather than her own sin. The devil and so made you me have do to be it. Very careful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, do you have mm-hmm. any? Uh, you know, just to stay on that for another minute, because you know, a lot of people innocently if you will, will dabble in these things saying, oh, I don't believe it, though. Oh, you the know, Ouija board, it's that. just a but, game. Uh, what's, a, what's some good advice mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, you take a look at it, and how do you, you know, you really would have to examine a lot of things in your life to be sure you're not still clinging to one of those things. Mm-hmm. I think even praying and asking the Lord for discernment and wisdom Definitely tarot cards are very dangerous, and mm. um, Ouija board and seances, levitation games. I have two daughters, and when they were in middle school, I, of course, uh, really warned them about those things because you can just fall into it. Um, so it's very important to seek discernment. I think sometimes people go overboard and think everything is demonic and and don't walk in freedom, but uh, the key is to really be biblical and balanced and bold, really, when it comes to the enemy. You know, God's Word tells us that he's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, and that's how I came up with the title of my book, because my head was kind of down in defeat at a season in my life, and just cried out to the Lord, you know, your Word tells us he's a roaring lion. Why does he have so much power? And I'll never forget it. It was almost as if the Lord said over me, yes, but I'm the bigger lion with the loudest roar. I'm the Lion of Judah, and I'm seated Mm -hmm. on the throne, and Satan is the defeated foe. And thankfully, he is. He's on a leash. He has a lot of power. Mm-hmm. But I, my whole book is really about keeping our eyes on Jesus. And he has won the victory that is ours because we are his. I keep thinking of uh, you know Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. image of, and of course, that's what C.S. Lewis, speaking of C.S. Lewis, that's what he was looking for. It was the... The mm-hmm. allegory of, of Jesus, the lion of the tribe of right. Judah. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour.
But you see, uh, you know, when we talk about spiritual warfare, it's extremely important for us to point this out. And I just want to, I know I'm pointing out the obvious there again, but it's just so vitally important. This is the deal, guys. Uh, our God is so much bigger than Satan. Mm-hmm. They are not equals, not even close. So we need to have that mindset when we discuss this. We have victory in Christ. And yes, the devil is like a roaring lion, but then you have the lion of the tribe of Judah, that is Jesus, who is a bigger lion. The name of the book in the spotlight is uh, The Loudest Roar, Living in the Unshakable Victory of Christ. And Judy Dunnigan is the author and our guest. We did get a text yeah. from Bonnie, and she said someone decorated in our office and brought in a Ouija board, tarot cards, and near and near the witch, a pentagram. I spoke to the person after other employees said they were concerned, and she refuses to see the harm in these items. Yeah, what do you say to somebody who is is saying, like we were talking about, Judy, a few minutes ago, you know what, this is just a game, it's... It's really not that big a deal. How do you respond to these folks? Well, if they're believers, you respond differently. If they're seekers, it can be pretty tough. And um, you can just share your heart that you think those are dangerous things and that the enemy is real. And um, But to get into a debate in the workplace would be difficult. And so I would, if I was in that situation, I would do a lot of praying and just for wisdom and also just for protection, um, you know, to have those things around is not great. So. Mm-hmm. The ultimate victory has been won by Jesus. We need to remember that. We know how the story, if you will, ends. But for uh, reasons that uh, sometimes we're not sure of, uh, because we don't know the mind of God, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, the secret things belong to the Lord. Uh, he allows, you know, Satan to do these these types of things. We don't have the definitive answer as to why. Um, he's on a short leash, though. He's, uh, as Martin Luther famously said, uh, the devil is God's devil. So God is still sovereign. And we have the victory, but we still have these battles. What areas and what areas do you think the enemy attacks us the most? Well, God's Word tells us that He's the father of lies, and I think He is a master at that, just throwing lies at us, lies about who we are in Christ, our identity in Jesus, and also about who our God is. I have a whole chapter on that, um, When We Believe Lies, is the name of the chapter. And when we really look how to counter those lies with truths from God's Word, we're told God, that God's Word is the sword of the Spirit, is part of the armor. And we can wield that sword by memorizing it, dwelling in it, and even praying God's Word. Um, I have a real heart for praying God's Word when you are overcome with fear, anxiety, depression, to run to His Word. And um, that is the way that the enemy has to flee when we wield that sword of the Spirit. Our Lord Jesus modeled that when Satan was tempting him in the wilderness. Each time Satan came at him with a temptation, Jesus just said, it is written, and quoted truths from the Word of God. Hmm. So um, that's one major way that he does that. And then tempting us to sin, and then we fall into the sin, and he turns into the accuser. And um, there, again, is a way that he comes at us, tempting us like he did Eve, like saying, God didn't really mean don't do that. And then when you do, you know, destruction follows. And so I think those are the two main ways, his temptations and his lies. You know, one of the other things you address in the book is discerning God's voice. And for someone who's 
uh, young in their walk. That's really hard. Have advice for that. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that's where the word is so important, especially for new believers to just dwell in his word and even go through the gospels and, and follow Jesus as he walked this groaning earth and the things that he taught. We're told he's the way, the truth, and the life. And so saturating your life in the word. I know for me, for many years, I battled anxiety, severe anxiety. I was We lived overseas and our youngest daughter was sick many most of the three years we were there, and I was overcome with fear and anxiety for her to the point where I felt like I had a sense of what it meant to almost have a breakdown. I was on the edge of losing my mind to worry, and I just cried out to the Lord, and I started to dwell in the Psalms for comfort and hope, and God rescued me um, with that, and that you know the way He talks if you're reading His Word, because He speaks through His Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. through His Word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so true. And, you know, the tone uh, is so important. Uh, and, and if we're in the Bible, then you're right. It's like uh, we, we our ears can pick up uh, the tone of God speaking to us. Yeah. Of course, nothing that, uh, you know, we hear, uh, you know, from, from the Lord will contradict. We say it's from the Lord, and we're like, okay, well, let me look at the Bible. Mm-hmm. If it contradicts mm-hmm. the Bible, it's not from him. It's either from myself exactly. or it's from the enemy. So that's yeah. that's vitally important. You know, something else, Judy, that, uh, that you're very candid about, you talk about your marriage. Um, you know, there was mm-hmm. a season where you guys... Uh, well, you weren't sure that, that you would make it. And uh, I know we have some people listening here this morning, maybe, that find themselves in that place. And the adversary, he loves to attack us uh, in that, the closest of our relationships. Correct. He is going after Christian marriages like never before. Uh, the Christian family is such a threat to him. And Rick and I have been married 38 years, and around our 20th anniversary, we were just hit with a lot and pretty um, shaky ground. And thankfully, the Lord just showed us, because of all the tools we had learned from a young age of how to stand against the enemy, we just stepped it up in terms of just dwelling in His Word. Uh, We got great counseling. We had a wonderful group of people surrounding us in prayer, but we were in a battle. Anytime there's movement towards freedom, the enemy tries to step it up. And so the Lord rescued us, and that's why we chose to share the story in the book for hope for other couples um, to even borrow this hope of our story. And I can testify today where we're at. We have never been closer. We're loving these empty nest year. We're we're, um, grandparents of five littles under five years old, and we're just having such a sweet time. But and, And, you know, the scars do remain, but it's a beautiful beauty from ashes story to where I know Rick and I would both share our love is deeper than it would have been without that shaky time. And so um, it's so important to know that the enemy is part of it. If you're ready and considering divorce and really struggling, there is great hope. How do we deal with battles that we lose? Um, And we all have them. Mm -hmm. I tend Mm -hmm. to to remind myself that, uh, because we can be really hard on ourselves. And then, of course, Satan, of course, like we've been talking about, he's the accuser. Uh, he can uh, point his finger at you and condemn you and, and all of that. But something that I think about as well is that God is, first of all, God is for us. Who can be against us? That's in the Word. But then there's also this issue of God sees my victories 
as well as my failures. He sees the victories in battle as well as the battles that I lose. And Satan lies to me there again and says, you're a total loser. And he just turns everything upside down. Focusing on our victories is helpful. At least it is for me. Exactly. And I, I Kurt, just think of the verses in Hebrews four fifteen through 16. I'm just going to read them over us. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that is uh, some of my favorite verses in the Word, that our God is such a compassionate God, because Jesus was tempted in every way we are, and He understands our weaknesses, and His throne is a throne of grace and mercy. We will find grace and mercy there no matter what we've done. And that's the difference of the enemy. He's an accuser. He is about condemning and shaming. And so many people stay caught in their failures and sins because they're afraid to go to Jesus and pour out their hearts. I had a friend who thought she had to clean herself up a bit before she could pray Mm -hmm. because she hadn't been praying for years. And I said to her, would you do that to your own daughter if she came to you and said, I really need, in tears, I really need to talk with you? You'd say, oh, well, go clean yourself up a little bit and then we'll talk. And so why do we think our loving God would do that? And um, I think that is such a key to know. And and our failures, looking back at them, if we've been able to go through them with our Lord Jesus, they can be beauty marks, really, those those um, painful times that we know what he rescued us from. Boy, I agree. I and that's that. like building a bridge mm-hmm. to other people's hearts um, because mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they have dealt with stuff too. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the Lord doesn't transfer us to heaven immediately when we receive Jesus is so that, um, you know, we can be reaching out to others through our story. And our stories are obviously can be very messy sometimes. And I'm thinking, you know, well, Lord, I, I'd rather be in heaven and not be dealing with this battle uh, that Paul talks about in Romans 7, what I want to do, I don't do, what I don't want to do, I, that, that I do. He very eloquently describes that battle between the flesh and the spirit uh, in the life of a believer. And I'm like, Lord, why can't I just go to heaven where I don't have to have this battle anymore? But part of the reason is there again, I think that that battle helps us to identify with folks who uh, are not saved so that we can witness to them. And, you know, it, it, it also helps us to appreciate the gospel, the good news. It makes it really good news because you know what? I need Jesus just as much today, and I'm as grateful for his sacrifice on the cross and rising from the dead. I, I'm grateful for that beautiful gospel story as much today as the day when I first believed. It elevates the gospel, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, that's so beautifully said, Kurt. And and I think if you've known the Lord a long time, I have since I was a little girl, you can take him for granted and even why he had to die for you. And and um, what a beautiful picture to know, never take it for granted, and to know that he had to die for you and um, be full of great thanksgiving for that. Mm-hmm. Before we let you go, Judy, of course, we've talked a a few, we mentioned a few times Ephesians chapter 6, which is the chapter where the Apostle Paul talks about the armor of God, putting on the armor of God. 
you know, standing firm. You've got the the belt of truth. You've got the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, putting on, uh, you know, shotting your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. All of this is is vitally important. Okay, so how can we take that section of Scripture and make it super practical as we hop out of bed each and every day? I love that question. You know, I have started to see that the armor is who Jesus is. It's Jesus who is covering us. It's his righteousness that covers us like a breastplate. It's his salvation that covers our mind like a helmet. It's his truth that is the belt that buckles on this um, armor. And we walk in his peace. He's the Prince of Peace, and we can walk in sandals of peace And then I even see the shield as his faithfulness. Psalm 91 is one of my favorite psalms, especially when the battle's fierce. Run to Psalm 91, and there it talks about the shield of his faithfulness covering us from all sides. And yes, we have a part. We have to hang on to that shield. There's a handle of the shield, and it's called the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit I've already mentioned. But to just think that you're clothed in him. And so that passage tells to put on the armor, and I think the way to do that is through prayer. But I always like to say that doesn't mean you're not covered in his armor if one day you don't pray it on. I've had people say, oh, my day's a mess. I didn't pray on my armor today, so I'm not covered. And that's not truth. But it is an awareness and an abiding in the covering of Jesus over us. And then in verse 18 of that passage of Ephesians 6, it's very important to note that it talks about prayer, and prayer is part of the armor. And I have a whole chapter on the roar of prayer. That's how I end the book. And I even have some written prayers from my father and some I've written based on the armor that are very helpful to be able to pray through and read those doctrinal scriptural prayers as part of the weapon that we use against the enemy. The enemy hates prayer. He wants to keep us from it. And it's very elusive for many of us. You know, I used to teach on prayer a lot and I wasn't praying and God really convicted me of that. Mm. So I cried out and asked him to awaken and revive my prayer life. And he was faithful in that. That's fantastic. When we go through the armor of God, a lot of times we don't uh, think about the, uh, you see, verse 18 is with prayer and all petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. We talk about uh, mm-hmm. the only offensive parts of the uh, uh, armor of God, uh, sword of the Spirit. Uh, you know, a lot of times you say, well, that's the offensive weapon here. And then people forget about the prayer verse that comes mm-hmm. after that, mm-hmm. praying at all times exactly. in the Spirit. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Hey, Judy, I got to let you go, but oh my goodness, this has been really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Thanks for taking the time to hang out with us. Well, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Really appreciate it.